Bill Gates. What's your favorite animal? Dog. What's your favorite food? Hamburger. What do you eat for breakfast? Nothing. What is your worst fear? I don't want my brain to stop working. Bill is a multiprocessor. He'll be reading something else, but then processing at the same time. It's chaos. He thrives on complexity. He makes a framework in his mind, and then he starts slotting in the information. If something doesn't line up, and he gets really frustrated. It's scary. But when Bill stills himself, he can pull ideas together that other people can't see. At Microsoft, I worked night and day, and that was how I made sure Microsoft stayed ahead. I could be so extreme. You never understood the first thing about this. Microsoft hit a new record high on Wall Street. Rivals paint a dark picture. They'll do whatever he can to uh, capture more of the market. Our mother wanted him to focus on community and family. I gave my mom a hard time not following what she wanted. You don't raise a family hyper-focused in your head. Each one of us has to start out with developing his or her own definition of success. I had the wrong way of looking at things. In life, you have to decide what's important in the world. I will look at energy, climate change, and disease eradication. It's important that we start deploying solutions unnaturally fast. We are running out of time here. He tends to look at problems from unusual angles. There hasn't been innovation in nuclear energy for 25 years. What are the odds of getting the job done? If you want to make a dent in this, you better think in wholesale magnitudes. He's at his best when the deck is stacked against it. There's many challenges. This is harder than I expected. Ultimately, it's not what you get. It's what you become. in a six pack episode one uh, uh, 121 maybe yeah 121 woo and we're here with bill nice gates hello everybody have you gotten your vaccine yet come have you on in the my boosters? <laughs> uh <laughs> when they paid you bill for that uh what you got 2019 you got a three-part netflix documentary did they do you actually talk like this or did they just have to chop all that together to make it sound coherent they had to chop it all together yeah that's what i thought well anyway you know it's cold acid here today (laughs) of the rare encounter podcast and uh you can catch rare encounter live in a little under three hours on the no agenda stream i believe well Probably a little over three hours, given how given how bad we are at starting on time. Yeah, but you'll at least be doing a pre-show by then, maybe. Yeah, well, Abel Kirby usually starts spinning stuff between five and six o'clock, and then brings me on about quarter to seven. <laughs> what I what I usually do is I, if I'm at home at the t- or if, like, not at home if I'm not prepping for my show that's going to be afterwards at the time. 
I'm watching OBDM, but I'm hanging out in the Rare Encounter chat. So I'll be chatting along, and then I'll listen to Rare Encounter the next day. So I'm sure I miss the uh, most of the... Sometimes I'll be in there uh, live, but usually I'll catch it the next day, so I miss all the pre-stream and post-stream goodness. Well, now, the pre-stream goodness is just is just music, and the post-stream is just sausage-making. So yeah. you're not, <laughs> not missing too much. Unless you're listening through the whole show before the pre before the post show, and then like people who've been listening through, they'll suggest ideas for for the show title based on things that Abel Kirby and I have said, or what our three things are because we've always got like as a tagline for each episode three things that are clickbaity, but based out of what we actually discussed on the show. Yeah. The uh, and then of course there's the potato news, which uh, yes, there's is always the potato always news. One of my favorite things uh on the show, and uh, because who doesn't love potatoes and potato news? But no, okay, so be honest. The reason Abel Kirby had a hard out when I was on was because he saw my toot about me teaching him about flat Earth, right? No, he had to he had to go back <laughs> to his home planet to grab more stuff to bring up to Ohio. Uh, Ohio. It's a pretty okay place. It's very Ohio is yeah. mediocre, a mediocre state as someone who grew I, up there. I, it's I not... would think I would think that Oklahoma is more of an okay place, but that's just me. <laughs> well, I grew up in Ohio and it's very milk toast. Like it's not too bad, it's not too good. It's just a, it's like a state. average, yeah. Yeah. Um and then the other reason I figured Abel Kirby had a hard out was because of that uh, that <laughs> asshole ish review I did of on uh, misinformed nation. I was like, oh, he remembers that. Because when I did that, I was like, Cold Acid and Abel Kirby are either going to think this is hilarious, which I'm hoping, or they're just going to never talk to me again. <laughs> I didn't even remember that, but I mean, I mean, <laughs> Abel Kirby and I, we ourselves like insult our show from time to time. But yeah, as I like uh, I slowed down your uh, voices to make you sound drunk, and Abel Kirby was like, he edited us out of context and slowed us down. I was like, nope, I just slowed you down. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, that was um, that was a that was a fun show on Wednesday. I'm sorry, my uh, clean feed doesn't coming through. wasn't coming through great on there. I don't know what. I mean, it sounds like it's going good now, but the um, I don't know if it's a sound card issue going out because when I recorded it, it all sounded fine, but then like. The output on clean feed is uh, it's kind of wonky. I don't know what to do about that, other than just get a whole new laptop. Well, yeah, it is all sounding good now, at least. I'm running... Maybe it just didn't like having having the connection like three ways. Oh, I don't know. Hopefully that wasn't it, because we're going to have like six people on the connection tonight for the dad cast. Yeah. It's going to be Larry. Well, it and... could also be because uh, Abel Kirby wasn't all totally set up. He was still in the hotel with the crappy hotel Wi-Fi. That might have played oh, yeah. a bit into it, too. I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's... Well, I am on Windows 7, so I don't know. You you of all people, Bill Gates, could help me uh, solve some problems here. If I take the vaccine, will you give me you a free... You can always upgrade to Windows 11 <laughs> with more spyware. <laughs> When's Windows 12 coming out, Bill? Hopefully never. Oh, you're just all on the vaccine kick now, I guess. Well, he he doesn't even... He's not even on the board anymore, Microsoft, right? So, yeah, he's he's like all in with Fauci. 
as far as I can tell. Yeah. You know, I do have a... Uh, have you read Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s new book, The Real Anthony Fauci? No, I haven't. When Jamie Deluxe... I still haven't even posted the episode that Jamie was on because I've been so busy, but Jamie Deluxe was on and he's been reading it. And uh, Infowars today put out like some of the cliff notes from that book, if you want to hear the clip of that, because this was stuff I didn't even know about. You hear, yeah, uh, sounds good to me. You hear Adam on No Agenda allude to some of this stuff with AZT and the AIDS scam that Fauci was helping run during the Reagan administration and whatnot. But uh, now this is this is pretty gnarly. If uh, and this is apparently just a little snippet of what you can read in Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s book, which is last I saw Amazon and New York Times number one best-selling book, which is a good sign for the level of awake that the country is. The reception of Robert Kennedy Jr.'s book, The Real Anthony Fauci, is clear evidence of a mass awakening. The people are waking up to see Fauci for what he is, an absolute psychopath. We've learned of how he directed experiments at the NIAID in which beagles had their vocal cords removed and their heads enclosed in cages where sand fleas ate them alive. Ugh. And we've learned of how he fraudulently used PCR tests to illegitimately push a known deadly drug upon tens of thousands of people. And many are now learning that in 1992, under the direction of Anthony Fauci, the NIAID funded drug trials on HIV-positive children. Although many of the children were healthy and asymptomatic, they had merely tested positive via faulty PCR tests administered through New York's Child Welfare Department. So it's like the, like Adam talks about, the PCR tests were in, in fuego back then. It's like, hey, your kid has AIDS. The PCR said yeah. so. It's pretty crazy. Mm, keep... They probably didn't. Yeah, I mean, just like... Yeah, just like any, like Kerry uh, Mullis, the inventor of the PCR test said, you can, anybody will test positive for anything if you crank the cycles high enough. Who then handed yep. them over to the deadly experiments. Most of the drugs being tested on the children were already known to cause deformities, organ failure, brain damage, and other lethal side effects. And yet, the children were required to continue with the drugs regardless of negative side effects. Those administering the drugs were explicitly told that all adverse side effects they witnessed in the children were being caused by the HIV infection and not the drugs. When parents refused to consent to these barbaric trials, children's services took their kids and placed them with foster families or children's homes where participation in the trial would be assured. When the children resisted the deadly drugs, they were brought to Columbia Presbyterian Hospital, where plastic tubes were surgically inserted into their stomachs, and the deadly drugs they were trying to escape were pumped directly into their bodies. Once the children died, their bodies were added to a mass grave in Hawthorne, New York a large pit with astroturf thrown over it. To get around the Nuremberg Code and other laws, the state of New York created a special review board 
comprised of the hospital stakeholders. One may wonder, other than torturing and killing innocent children, what were they trying to accomplish? They already knew of the negative side effects that these drugs were having on adults. But the more we learn about Anthony Fauci, the more we realize that he is an absolute psychopath. And it doesn't matter why psychopaths do what they do. Fauci and his criminal cohorts belong in cages, at the very least. Anthony Fauci is just one old crook in a massive conspiracy that is aggressively pushing to inject everyone's children with the new deadly and debilitating mRNA experimental jabs. Well, it's a little bit of editorializing uh, at the end there, but I agree with the sentiment. Yeah, that's it's the uh, there's like a six week cycle with the FBI and a and a 30 30 year cycle with the uh, medical industry, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, like you said, or with Fauci. Oh, yeah. Now that fucker is creepy, dude. Yeah, like, like that's that's fucking that's fucking disgusting. And then yeah, it's like the mRNA vaccines and Pfizer. It's like almost almost the almost the same. You don't you don't want to get the you don't want to get the jab. Well, they're gonna try and make you 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 keep your kids away from it. They'll try and take your kids right and mm-hmm. poison and poison kill them off in the name of science. But really, in the name of Fauci's pocketbook. Yeah, it's uh, I I don't know exactly. I'm I'm rusty on the details, but I remember reading at some point that he gets him and Gates are both getting kickbacks from all the Moderna vials sold. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. It might Gates, not even be kickback so much as like. How much of Moderna do the two of them own? And maybe, maybe there's like some, some you know, like dividend that is being given out based on how many people get the jab. Yeah, and then Fauci's wife is over the approval process of vaccines, um, and Gates or the Gates Foundation, at least, were uh, going back ten years working on HIV mRNA vaccines. And dumping tons of money into Moderna for that. So, uh, yeah, the whole there's thing is a lot of what's uh, <clears throat> what's it called? Uh, conflict of interest going on around there between Fauci, his wife, Gates Foundation. Yeah, Bags in the chat just said that he got the coup a couple weeks after his boss got the shot. So <laughs> that was uh, Doctor Doctor Zelensky was on Infowars today, and he was talking about. He had the the paperwork to prove it, at least it looked like, uh, that the people who are vaccinated with the mRNA carry like 240 times more virus load than unvaccinated people. So they're I would not, not be surprised. So they're spreading I mean, it. Yeah. In, after all, the, the mRNA vaccines, like what they do is the the little the little strands of RNA in there will via the packaging get into cells and and then that's like it's not actually modifying the dna but it doesn't have to because those mrna strands they cause production of that spike protein in the first place and they they cause a lot of it to be produced and then you've got that running around in your cells 
And on top of that, the packaging that's used to get the to get those RNA strands into the cells is toxic in the first place for us. What's that? The nanolipid or whatever they call it. Some like little yeah, wrapped in a bow gets in there. That yeah, Forbes did like an li- article that then they changed took bubbles, it down. And... Little bubbles of toxic fat. <laughs> yeah, that Forbes did an article uh, this week and they took it down and changed the headline. Uh, and it said COVID vaccines, COVID vaccines do alter your DNA, but that's a good thing. And then they changed the headline, uh, and now all you can find is how they don't alter your DNA. So I don't. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Like, it's... well, yeah. The the whole, honestly, I think I think there is a there's a disconnect between what's actually going on and what even even people in the in the uh, media think is happening. Right? Like I said, like I said, mr mRNA is generally something that's produced out of your DNA strands to tell your cells to produce different proteins. Right, or how to how to fold proteins or use certain proteins in different ways. It doesn't it doesn't actually modify your DNA. There's other ways of doing that. Uh, there's there's technologies around other things that do actually modify one's DNA. But just shooting somebody full of strands of mRNA isn't isn't going to do it. You need you need something. Oh, what's the name of it? I remember. I remember reading about it in in a number of books, both fiction and nonfiction. But it's like kind of like a virus itself that will that will go and cause your DNA to get modified, so that it will have certain sequences in it. And that is something that is something a lot more active than than a strand of mRNA, which is which is essentially just a blueprint, right? It's so it's like you're putting a blueprint into the into the factory that is the cell, and the little the little bits of chemicals inside the cell look at the blueprint and go, okay, yeah, we'll build this. That's pretty much it. It it's almost it's almost passive, right? Compared to compared to these like virus like things that do modify DNA. Yeah, I was that reminds me of uh I mean, just telling a virus to modify your cells isn't that how I Am Legend started? I so. I actually never read or watched the movies. You know, the one with Will Smith wasn't the first I Am Legend adaptation, right? There was one with Charlton Heston, the the what yeah. was it the um, the Omega Man or something? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, here we go. Let's see. But anyway, the the thing there is that uh, the thing there is that yeah, we don't we know enough to describe certain structures of the cells, how certain processes work, but we're not at the. I don't think we're at the point where we can actually say with any sort of with real any sort of real confidence that we can do these things and we know what the outcomes are going to be. It's still it's still a lot of like essentially blindfolding yourself and then throwing darts at a board, right? And hoping hoping that you hoping that you nail the triple center. And most yeah. of the time, you know what happens when you blindfold yourself and throw dart darts at a board? Not a single one hits the board. 
yeah, but they sure that, like to poke <laughs> holes in the wall. And that's giving them the benefit of the doubt that they're doing it for you know good intentions and not just trying to kill us all. But I, I, I think fa- some of them are doing it out of good intentions, but they don't realize that the people further up the org chart are doing it for a percentage or they're doing it because they're psychopaths that want to kill off everybody so that we're like what the Georgia guide zone say, what 800 million maximum 500 million. Fuck. That's even worse. You know what? That made me, and, uh, well, let me play this clip and then I'll, cause I found the I am legend clip, but let me, um, that made me think of a theory I've been having. The world of medicine has seen its share of miracle cures, from the polio vaccine to heart transplants, but all past achievements may pale in comparison to the work of Dr. Alice Crippen. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. So, Dr. Crippen, give it to me in a nutshell. Well, the premise is quite simple. Um, Take something designed by nature and reprogram it to make it work for the body rather than against it. You're talking about a virus? Indeed, yes, in this case, the measles um, virus, which has been engineered at a genetic level to be helpful rather than harmful. Um, and I, I find the best way to describe it is if you, can, if you can imagine your body as a highway and you picture the virus as a very fast car um, being driven by a very bad man, imagine the damage that that car could cause. Mm-hmm. Then if you replace that man with a cop, the picture changes, and that's essentially what we've done. How many people have you treated so far? Well, we've had 10,009 um, clinical trials in humans so far. And how many are cancer-free? 10,009. So you have actually cured cancer? Yes, yes. Yes, we have. And then, of course, it smash cuts to, you know, a couple years in the future, and Will Smith's the only person alive in Manhattan. There's a bunch of freaking vampire zombies everywhere. Um, no, but the, your, the Georgia Guidestones thing has always made me think of, like, if their goal really is to keep the population under 500 million, like, can you or I really prove that there's more than 500 million people on Earth right now? Like, maybe they're just totally oh, lying to us. Oh, I think so, yeah. I think, what if they're just, I mean, this is just more of a hypothetical or a, like a thought experiment, but what if there is only 500 million people on Earth and they just lie to us about how many people there are? I suppose it's possible, but I think at the same time that anybody that can anybody that can get anything like way into the air over China or India would be able to prove that there's over half a billion people in either country, never mind the combination of the two. Yeah, but those people can't even pr- prove that the earth is round. <laughs> Speaking of which, yeah, you know what? You know what? People think that people think that uh, the only way to have the firmament is if the Earth is flat, and I disagree with that. Yeah, because theoretically, couldn't the Van Allen radiation belts be the firmament? Something that keeps you a protective barrier that keeps you out. I think it. We've never we have never actually proven that the Oort cloud exists. What I think it could, what I think is probably probably the firmament is like a glass sphere that's specially painted on one side so that only only certain light comes in in certain patterns, right? And mm-hmm. it's far enough that anything that we send out of uh, out of Earth space 
would never reach it in a million years. Like even where even where like the Voyager probes are right now isn't anywhere close to where they say the outer edge of the Oort cloud's supposed to be. How do you so have a cloud? It makes it, it makes it that we can we can imagine that that yeah, the rest of the galaxy and the rest of the universe exists when really we're just floating in the middle of a of a big glass bowl. <clears throat> Operation Fishbowl and Starfish Prime, where they blew up nuclear and hydrogen bombs in the atmosphere. You know, what were they doing? Um, now I've never, I'm not familiar with the Oort cloud, but um, assume, how do you have a cloud in space, anyways? So it, they call it a cloud, but it's not actually a cloud, like in the sense of what makes rain and snowfall. It's instead, it's instead like the asteroid belt, but in 3D. Is what is what the claim is, and that there's this whole huge reservoir of comets and meteorites that are all circling the uh, the Earth at a distance of like a light year or more, and that uh, that every so often some of them come shooting in and and go around the uh, go around the Earth or around the sun real close and then back out again. Sure. There are, there are a bunch of, there are a bunch of like comets and other bodies we've seen that, that do that. But most of them, most of them are just trans Neptunian objects. They just, they go out, they go out a few hundred astronomical units, you know, the distance between the sun and the earth past Neptune, but they don't actually go as far as the supposed Oort cloud. Hmm. Yeah, man, I I don't know what to trust when it comes to anything with NASA or anything because they like I don't know they just they get they get caught like bullshitting so much that I'm like who knows what the hell's real, but um, Could I mean be I like that nothing is real. I yeah. mean, you and I might not be real, right? Yeah, well, we could be somebody else's imagination. It's true. Yeah, there's uh. That's like the first thought you have when you first get high. You're like, what if this is all just a dream or a hallucination? And I'm really like, we had this idea the first time we ever smoked weed. Like it was like me and my buddy were like, this is literally the first time we were ever high. It was like, we got convinced that we this, our whole lives are just like a drug trip. And that we're actually like these purple shriveled little beans from the future that take a drug to hallucinate having a human life. And then later I saw kind of that same concept on Rick and Morty with the Roy video game. <laughs> but yeah, it was like, that's, that's always a possibility too. Uh, if anybody wants to call in, the phone lines are open. Just open them up. It's uh, 865-465-6271. And uh, come talk to me in cold acid about things. I did find that uh, cold acid. any of the elders? Oh, oh I was going to say real quick, I did find that uh, Forbes... The, this is backtracking a little bit, but just real quick, I put it in the chat. Uh, Steven Salzberg, Forbes writer, yeah, he wrote an article, yes, the vaccine changes your DNA a tiny bit, and that's a good thing. And then he followed up and said, I changed the title, which is now COVID vaccines don't alter your DNA. They help choose cells to strengthen your immune system response. Uh, and he said he changed that due to those who offered construction, constructive criticism of his first headline, that they do change your DNA. But anyway, you, were you saying Elder Scrolls? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so have you ever have you ever played the Elder Scrolls games or looked into the lore of the Elder Scrolls? I have not played Morrowind, but I know or is that what it's called, Morrowind? Yeah, Morrowind oh. is the is the third one. Okay, but I played all the ones after that. Then I played Oblivion and and Oblivion's the one I played the most of and then I played uh, Skyrim and I tried Elder Scrolls online and hated it. So the lore Stop. in Morrowind the is probably the best out of out of the whole thing. That to give you an idea of like what reality is in in that series of games, right? Mm-hmm. One of the one of the things is one of the things is like all of that reality is is a dream of the Godhead, and there's a way of realizing that you're part of the dream and then being able to affect the dream yourself instead of like real realizing that you're just a figment of something else's imagination and disappearing in a puff of uh imagination right i'm trying to remember what the term for it was this sounds like an alan watts uh or like mysticism but alan watts has a americanized way of saying it which is Basically, like, if you were God and you could, uh, or, or not if you were God, but if if you could dream anything you wanted to dream every night and make it all happen the way you wanted to, eventually you'd get, you, know, you could have all the pleasure, but you'd get bored of it because you know it's a dream. And so then you'd have dreams that you could control and you knew it was going to happen, but you, during the time, would not want to know it's a dream. And then even that would get monotonous, so... Like if you were could dream whatever you wanted to dream, or aka if you were God, you would live a life that was um, totally unpredictable, and you wouldn't know it was a dream until it was over. And that's like what how God created consciousness, and he's all the little parts of it. Is that kind of the idea? I don't know if I explained that well, but not exactly. Not exactly. If I if I'm understanding what you're saying correctly. But, uh, no, like, what it is is, like, everything Everything that happens is just part of a dream, but sometimes the characters in the dream are able to realize that it's, that it's just a dream and by doing so can affect the dream. And this is, I found, I found in the article about it, it's called Chim. Chim. And so... C-H-I-M? Yeah. And... For, yeah, CHIM. And going from going from past there, it would even be possible to become the godhead of your own dream as well. So it could be it could even be like there's just like an infinite number of these dreamers dreaming somebody else who's dreaming their own dream all the way all the way down, right? Dreamer okay, dreamers yeah. all the way down, just like the turtles. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I'm re- I'm looking at the Elder Scrolls fandom wiki right now. Shim uh, is the yeah, final I, stage. I was of able the to describe server. it better when I was playing Elder Scrolls games constantly. There was a there was a time <laughs> where if I wasn't playing Skyrim, I was playing Morrowind. Yeah, I, Morrowind I've heard from everybody is the best one, but I never did play it. Graphi- cool graphically, thing. it's not it's not great. But uh, well, yeah, it's. I mean, it's old enough. Story wise, it just kicks the ass of all the others. I wonder if they would ever they re-release let the, it. They let the they let the designers just like 
throw in whatever the fuck they wanted, and it was amazing. Once Chim is, is achieved, people experience a state in which time is bent both inward and outward into a shape that is always new, as well as an incomparable sense of Godhead. So yeah, this is like Satori almost, or Nirvana, but in a um, with a spin on it. Uh, or re- or realizing that you are the player character in a video game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's um So is there is it in Marwind is it kind of tongue in cheek where they actually acknowledge that it's a video game? Is that what you're saying? No, it's not it's not exactly like that, but the the outside of the game itself, these these comparisons are drawn by the guy who brought this into the mythos uh, and wrote the in-game books, the 36 Lessons of Vivek. Yeah, I've even when I played like whether it was Fallout, Elder Scrolls, any RPG where you, uh, where you can just like pick up all these things to read. I was just like. I I should have like actually paid more attention and read all this stuff, but I was I was just of the mindset it's like I'm playing a video game to play a video game. If I wanted to read, I'd get a book. <laughs> so I would just like you know put them in my inventory and never read them unless it needed something. Uh, I, I I will say the exception to that is like did you ever play Mist or Riven or like they made like no six I never of those played Mist those games. Those games were impossible to do without like a thick notebook because you had to like write down symbols and codes and draw out blueprints for stuff because like you never knew when it was going to come in handy later and you would just kind of have to piece things together on a notebook. I mean, I guess theoretically you could take pictures of it like with your phone or something nowadays, but that was pre pre smartphone days when I was playing that. Yeah, it it's uh it's kind of like that to under to understand the hidden depths of of the Elder Scrolls games, at least before Elder Scrolls Online, where where the guy in charge like decided he was just gonna fuck everything around, uh, yeah, to to really understand what's going on, you'd have to read all these in-game books, and it also ties in like in in the previous game in the series, Daggerfall, there was something like six different possible endings that you could get. And the way they dealt with that in Morrowind was that all of those endings actually happened, but in such a way that time and space went all crazy so that so that whatever whatever way you played the game in uh, Daggerfall and beat it, that happened, but all the other ones also happened. And it's really, really weird. It, they call it a dragon break, but essentially, it's like, it's like time splits up into different strands, and then somebody comes along and ties them all together with like terrible knots, and then suddenly, suddenly, it's, you know, like if if a rope breaks, right, splicing it back together, sort of thing, but with knots instead of proper rope splicing. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, and I'm looking at Daggerfall now. It's kind of crazy how we came full circle where in 1996 there was a game that looked like Minecraft and then Minecraft comes out and it looks like Daggerfall. 
No, this, this look- looks better. This looks better than uh, Minecraft because it actually has it actually has like proper sprites for characters and stuff instead of instead of everything just being blocks. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, but yeah, so we came past full circle. We went back in time with Minecraft. Mm-hmm. Now this looks. Uh, yeah, I I never played the first. So four was Oblivion, right? Three was Morrowind. Okay, yeah, so I missed the first three. Yep, three was Morrowind, four was Oblivion, uh, first was Arena. Yeah, I was two years old when this game came out, so that's probably why I missed the boat on this one. This looks cool. Though. Yeah, I never, I never played uh, Arena myself. The one time I tried playing it, it was just crawling at like a frame every three seconds under DOSBox, and I was like, yeah, fuck this. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it, all the video games back then kind of had the Doom original Doom vibe. Mm-hmm. But wow, uh, apparently, but it, it was somebody made neat. a I mean, somebody re-released Daggerfall I mean, in 2019 point, with like a fully uh, updated graphics. Well, not fully updated graphics, but with a uh, with a new, more modern graphics engine. Yeah, yeah. the Daggerfall XL project, new textures. Because a while, some time ago, like back before Bethesda got bought by Microsoft, they actually put out uh, Arena and Daggerfall for free to download, and so you can get the you can get the game files for them, and then and then like they haven't done this for Arena yet, but they did for Daggerfall, where you can take those files and you can run this with run it with this alternate engine that takes away a lot of the limits and bugs of the original Daggerfall engine. There, there, There's a project like that for Morrowind as well, where they've essentially rebuilt, rebuilt the Morrowind uh, game engine inside Unity. Mm, okay. Yeah, I'm going to have to... I wonder if they, they... They'll never release this on consoles, right? They, no, and yeah. honestly, honestly, these games aren't games that are really meant to be played on a console to begin with. Uh, to get to get the most out of out of the Elder Scrolls games, at least from Morrowind onwards, you got to be able to access the mod community and be able to even create your own mods to throw in. And yeah, sure, Fallout Four they some... had the the mods available yeah. on Xbox, and that was awesome. Yeah, they're getting they're getting better at that, but it's it's not exactly the same because I mean to get those to get those listed in like the the mod stores or whatever you want to call them on the consoles, they, they still have to go through like yeah, they have to be approved and everything. Whereas on PC, you make it, you put it up on a website somewhere, right? And anybody can download it, put it in the game. Yeah, like uh there was a racing game called Revolt, which was just okay. Like little uh, remote controlled car racing game, like Mario Kart type thing, but with all kinds of weapons and stuff. It was, it was okay. It was pretty fun. But that game got like a thousand times better with all the PC mods on there. I mean, it was crazy what you could do on that game with all the mods. And uh, same with like the original Star Wars Battlefront 2. My dad and I played the shit out of that with just crazy mods. Like, all kinds of cool stuff you could do. So yeah, mods were where it was at. 
Um, I just there can't. Was a, I... There was back back at the beginning of the '90s. There was a game that was published by Microprose for PC and Amiga called uh, F1 Grand Prix, Formula One Grand Prix. And today, in 2021, there are still people releasing mods and and having like online events for this game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, yeah being being a, being moddable like is what makes a game actually last through time. They're still updating uh Team Fortress 2. That's not even mods, that's just Oh, that's well, a, that's man. a bit different. It's, yeah. That's not really mods, that's with, just With the... Valve, I mean people people work on whatever they whatever interests them at Valve and some people I guess still like to do TF2 stuff, adding more hats and shit. I mean, the last I checked they were doing a little more than hats. I hope so. If not, then what the hell are they doing like <laughs> I thought they were making like new maps and weapons. Oh, I'm just and shit. I'm just memeing. I'm just okay. memeing with the hat thing. Uh, wow. I <clears throat> I don't have safe search on Google, and I was going down like a Bethesda rabbit hole, and now I'm at, like Fallout Two, Rule Thirty Four shit already without even searching for it. Oh yeah. Um, there is a lot of uh, there is a lot of pornographic uh, art based on uh, based on. Elder Scrolls and Fallout. Yep. Ooh, even some animated GIFs. That's nice. Uh, one one of the big things too with the with the Elder Scrolls mod scene was that from Morrowind on, there were always there were always like the first the first big mod mods would always be like sex mods. So there's <laughs> mods that would like hell yeah that would take away like the, the the clothing of everybody and other ones where where essentially where essentially it's like a text menu sex game where like choose what you're going to do and there's going to be like some dialogue that goes along with it even though you won't actually at least until Skyrim you wouldn't actually get like the characters going into any sort of sexy poses or anything like that. They might just take off all their clothes and armor and walk around naked or stand in front of you naked while, while like making sounds, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, that's, that that's the driving <laughs> it in mods are no different than any other industry. Even though I guess people aren't necessarily making a lot of money yep. on video game mods, but yeah, the porn drives every industry. And especially, especially when you have like an open world sort of situation where people can throw anything in, right? You're not gonna see you're not gonna see that in any online games, but offline games, yeah. Um, the sex mods are generally the first ones that show up because that's what gets people going. Hell yeah, yeah. I mean, even like. Like every porn site has like ads for like stupid 2D anime porn games. So you would think like, why not just put that in Fallout and cut right to the chase? Now, Microsoft won't allow that because they don't want the Xbox to become the sex box, but maybe you could put well, in a good word for them even though you're not on the board. The, because the joke is so obvious 
to begin with, right? Yeah, right. But but yeah, one of the, one of the things is actually that Skyrim actually kind of bucked that trend. The first the first the first big popular mods weren't weren't the sex mods. They were the ones that turned off invulnerability on the kids. <laughs> yeah, GTA had the same thing going. If I recall correct, now uh, my favorite mods on on Fallout. yeah, it, you you tell you tell the players that they can't do something. And the first thing they're going to do is mod it so that they can. Well, GTA just doesn't so, have yeah. kids until the mod. We're, we're making room. sure we're making sure that all the kids, all the kids in this video game are safe. You won't be able to kill them. <laughs> so what happens? Mods come out to take off the invulnerability, so you can go around murdering all the kids like you're it. Yes. Uh, Pennywise. Uh, now I. Yeah, Pennywise. I had some, I had some, some right. of my favorite mods on Fallout 4, I'll say, because that was probably the most recent game I played modded. I don't play video games that much, as much as I would like to, because I don't have the time anymore. But the uh, I liked the one that turned all the death feel. claws in Fallout 4 into Macho Man Randy Savage, and he would say quotes. And Oh, my God. And then there was another mod where it added like a new level where you have to literally fight like a skyscraper-sized death claw. Like this thing is huge. Like you look up straight, and it's it's like a gigantic death claw, and it moves a little obviously slow to scale. So it's because otherwise it would be so fast it would run across the whole map in like you know two seconds if it was like scaled to normal speed. Yeah. Would you ra- would you rather fight Would you rather fight a death claw sized uh, skyscraper or a skyscraper sized uh, death claw? <laughs> I guess a death claw size skyscraper, I think, would be uh, my ch- my choice of battle. But no, it was funny because I, I had forgotten I had the I had downloaded the like giant death claw boss like mod where you go on this island and you unearth this giant death claw and you have to fight him. And it's like a giant giant death claw, and I'd forgotten I had the Macho Man Randy Savage mod on. So like <laughs> Randy Savage just crawls out of the ground and he's fucking huge. And I was like, this is the best thing ever. So cool. <laughs> that does sound awesome. I was expecting a freaking death claw, and it was just freaking macho, man. Um, yeah, I have a. What do we got? I got. I had a, a story. Not really, even really a story, as more as something. Like, since you and Abel Kirby are a little more scientifically knowledgeable than I am, I and technologically, I had a thing I was going to bring last week to rare after rare encounter, but I'm going to go through it now. And see what your take. Because well, I'll play the clip that made me start researching this, and let me know. Uh, it's about uh, it's it's more food news. Artificial intelligence will be doing the thing. It's uh, David Ike from this this week or last week on Infowars. Artificial intelligence will be doing the thinking, and they they won't have any human perception to worry about. Trying to work it out. I mean, they won't be able to work it out because the artificial intelligence will be thinking for them. So they've got this window of time. Uh, and the uh, longer that is, the more people are going to suss it. So the more people, the more resistance, the more pushback they're going to have to deal with. And so they're really going for broke now. It's like, well, look, anyone, uh, you know, with, with, with eyes to see can see what we're doing. So let's just get on with it and, and, and get it finished as fast as we can. And, and let me just explain this to new listeners. You were on my show 25 years ago i've been able to interview for at least 25 years you've been around totally away from 32 or so i've been away for about 28 or on air so you you came right before i did but you've been saying from the beginning the plan is to make it synthetic 
to put chips in us. And now the USDA, two weeks after the Davos group announced it a month ago, said, oh, we're now going to just put nanotech in your food to protect you. And it's going to migrate to your brain and we're going to be able to scan you and read you. So they're they're just skipping it all now. If we think forced inoculation is bad, that's almost a diversion. They're now announcing bombing the food with nanoparticles. I mean, this is a war. Well, yeah. And, you know, <laughs> do you know about this? No. So I started I started doing some research and I got the NIH NIH.gov here, USDA, uh, what else? Uh, oh, now I got actually have the super potato, climate change resistant super potato pulled up. That's not what I was looking for. Um, University of Maine, yeah. So, uh, here we go. USDA, nanotechnology and food. Nanotechnology can be used in food production to enhance taste, color, flavor, and texture and consistency of a variety of foods. Um, only a few applications are currently available in the EU for nanotechnology and food uh, related to supplement packaging. Blah, 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 blah. Um, so the current EU legislative framework covers the principal and potential health and safety environmental risks in relation to nanomaterials in food. Uh, but, they, I mean, there's, like, all kinds of literature on this and, like, PubMed and NIH. I had no idea they were putting freaking nanobots in my potatoes, is what I'm saying. I'm honestly not surprised. I mean, especially now... They got they got cameras now that are the size of a, of a grain of salt, Right? Yeah, I, I, at this point, I'm not surprised what they will what they will put in our food to poison or spy on us. Yeah, so and the NIH kind of has a different take on it, and uh, the USDA it's like uh, conventional agriculture often relies on bulky doses of fertilizers, fertilizers and pesticides that have adversely affected living beings as well as the ecosystems. So, like, basically, to save the climate and to save on cost. They're going to just put nanobots in the food. Now, I can't, like, nanopesticides, nanofertilizers, nanoherbicides. Um, and it's it's robotics technology, but I don't understand how... Here's where, here's where I couldn't find what Alex said. The, they are openly saying it'll scan your brain and report back to them. I can't find anything about that. I think that might have been a little embellishment on Alex's part, unless he's got better sources than I do. But, um, I mean, apparently they've been putting nanotech in food for a long time. And there's NIH oh, articles yeah. going back 10 years. PubMed. So I don't know. That's yeah, just, they've that, been... I, I was hoping you would like you would tell me that's that's not real. But you're like, oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, I honestly, honestly, I would not be surprised these days that that definitely sounds in the realm of possibility to me. That they're that they're like putting crap. In, I mean, I mean they're they're peddling crap on us in the first place, right? Like with these vegetable oil based thing or not the seed oil based stuff, yeah. like uh, like margarine. Margarine's not good for us. We should be using butter instead. Have you seen right? the the samples they do of butter if, where they like, put like butter know, out and then next to margarine? margarine? 
you know you know where you know what margarine was created for it was created to get rid of what was originally considered toxic byproducts like yeah. the the seed oil the seed oils were considered were considered toxic and then some genius at Procter and Gamble said hey we can render this toxic uh waste in some way and repackage it and sell it to people as food well that's what they did and with us the... we ended up with margarine the... And it, and if you see the uh, the ants, there's like people do experiments where they put butter next to margarine on a plate, and the ants won't touch the margarine, but they'll be all over the butter. And like you'll see one or two dead ants next to the margarine, and the rest of them are just chowing down on the butter. Yeah, because the because the margarine's no good. And it, it, they did this the same thing they did with margarine, where they have a waste product that they want to repurpose to sell. The uh, I, when Mofax was on here, I we were talking about fluoride and. The, you know, Bush, Prescott Bush, who was, you know, all involved with the Nazis and their fluoride in the camps they were using. But that all that aside, Prescott Bush was also involved with the Alcoa aluminum production. And apparently the the byproduct of aluminum production is um, the same type of fluoride that they now put in the water. And they were spraying it into the air, but it was causing like... <laughs> Basically, stuff would dissolve because when it's airborne, it would like it was killing farmers and a bunch of cows and stuff in Europe. So they were like, "Oh, just put it in the water," and that's what they've done with the sodium. I believe it's sodium fluoride. Uh, they're like, "Oh, just tell them it's good for their teeth or something." I don't know because we don't know what to do with it. You know, I don't use I don't use antiperspirants. I just use deodorants because. The anti the antiperspirants use aluminum, and yep. that is not something you want in your in your body because it's one of the things that causes things like Alzheimer's. Yep. And here they are putting it in this stuff, saying, "Yeah, you got you got to use you got to use antiperspirant. It's not enough to just not smell from sweat. You've got to not sweat at all. So yeah, poison yourself slowly with alu- with, yeah. the, with our aluminum." With our aluminum gel. Or poison yourself fast with aluminum, you get an MMR vaccine. Like, I, yep. I I was always on the fence about, like, the autism vaccine connection, but, like, after doing a plethora of research, like, I'm fully convinced that that's what caused the autism epidemic. Is, like, the aluminum the and aluminum? mercury and freaking these injections that they give kids. Could be, yeah. Because that stuff just latches onto your brain. Like heavy metal, heavy metals like that. That's not something you want in your body. Well, I don't think aluminum is a heavy metal, but mercury definitely is. And same with lead. Yeah, and then they put all they put the uh, aluminum and barium supposedly are what are in the chemtrails. If you go down that rabbit hole, I haven't I like- gone down that rabbit hole yet. uh. adam i'm hoping adam will bring back chemtrails to second half of show he hadn't done it in a while but i remember uh we we basically came done any real second half a show in in a good long time yeah he'll like allude to it real like he alluded to flat earth the other day but so it's yeah he yeah there's it's been a while since we've had a proper second half a show on no agenda that's why it was nice to have him do it on uh hog story when he was on but uh yeah but I mean, Hog, Hog Story, even when he's not on, is like half, uh, second half a show. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. 
Uh, then you have second second half a show on behind the schemes. But yeah, we we did mm-hmm. uh, like over a hundred episodes. Now we did one about harp, and in the process of researching it, I kind of came to the conclusion that the reason they are putting aluminum and barium in the chemtrails isn't so much to. I mean, it's a double purpose. Like it is poisoning people, but what it really does is it allows radio waves and communications to move a lot faster around the curvature of the earth. If they continuously split spray aluminum in the sky, tiny nanoparticles of aluminum in the sky as a conductor to help, uh, transmissions get like instantaneous, um, travel around the curvature of the earth. Does that make sense? I don't think it would ever be instantaneous, but it's a lot faster. Radio yeah, wave. It essentially Radio. essentially just just short of speed of light, right? Yeah. But the more the more yeah, the the better the electrons can uh traverse the atmosphere, the faster the communication, right? Yeah, it's it's uh I likened so, it to kind of so, like yeah, uh, it would uh, make like dropping a toaster in a bathtub versus just holding a toaster next to you without water. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, so it it would make it would make sense for them to be trying to seed the atmosphere with with conductive metals to try and improve communications. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the less nefarious angle, if you want to say that like, there's a purpose to them doing it besides just trying to poison us. Because I'll tell you I what... Think some like, of the, I think some of these things, they aren't... They, again, they... They're not always attempting to actually actively kill us off. It's just a it's just a happy side effect for them. Yeah. Well, yeah, there I mean, there's always multiple purposes to a lot of the stuff they do. Like the vaccine thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, it might be killing a lot of us, but it's also making them a bunch of money, and that's the primary goal is making them a bunch of money. Um yeah, the the reducing the population is just uh, is just a happy coincidence for them. Yeah. Except like except for Bill Gates. Because I mean, if they if they if they kill off too many of us, there won't be there won't be enough of us left to buy all the crap and do all the work that makes them the money in the first place. Until the robots are perfected. Like if they had the robots uh, that, perfected the that way they might, want, that might never happen. Yeah, but with the day the robots are as perfected I, as they'd like, very, we're all done. I've got a very low opinion of AI. Don't don't tell CSB, but I have a very low opinion of AI, and I think it's very unlikely that we will ever actually achieve artificial general intelligence. Yeah, well, it's. I mean, I think it might already exist, like, and they just haven't rolled it out. And might never, but it's definitely not sentient. Like this idea that Duncan Trussell talks about where Duncan was talking to like this Buddhist monk talking about AI and about how it could, um, like if, if, if it's sophisticated enough that a soul would incarnate into it and it would be conscious and self-aware. Where he's, if some, he said something along Senti- the lines of sentience, like, what, if you're a yeah. demon, what better thing to jack into that has something that has control over the nuclear codes? But I don't buy that, like, no matter how crazy convincing an AI, like, let's say it's 100 times better than Ex Machina, 
it's never going to actually be a living sentient being, no matter how well it's programmed to act like it is one. But there's really no way to ever know that one way or the other. Like, how do you prove sentience? You just prove an imitation of sentience or something. Well, from that from that perspective, how do, how do we even prove that we ourselves are sentient? Because we're experiencing something. Like, I don't think a robot would be able to experience anything. It would just be functioning. How how can how can I how can I determine that you are experiencing things? You can't. All you can right? know is or that you're that, experiencing or you the other Yeah, or the other way around, right? So so at that point at that point, right, it's if they if they seem to be sentient and sapient like we are, then essentially they are because because there's no way of actually proving they are or not other than by like the empirical evidence of of like how are they behaving are they behaving like we are right and as yeah. it is like sentience isn't even the goal sapience is my cat is sentient my cat is my cat sapient like humans are or other great apes of I can't say probably probably not because she acts more on instinct than anything else, right? Yeah. A, sen a sentient computer, a sentient computer. If we can develop even like a poor uh, artificial general intelligence, would probably it would probably reach a point of sentience, but it wouldn't necessarily be sapient and able to do the sort of things that we we can do as sapient beings. Yeah, I mean, I get... Hmm. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I think there's no way... I, I get, It really comes down to what, what you believe the nature of consciousness and what a soul is. like. And if you believe in souls or like an afterlife, then would a, would a machine created that is capable of everything a human is capable of, would it have a soul? Like that's another way to I'm, explain I'm what I'm asking. I'm not sure, honestly. Honestly, like we're getting I'm into Blade not, Runner I'm territory. I'm not sure if if sentience or sapience is even needed to have a soul, or vice versa. Potatoes have souls. They could. Rocks could have souls. There could be a soul in a waterfall. Uh, my my take my take on souls is a lot more like. Kami in Japanese Shinto, rather than rather than being something that's restricted to to humans, right? It it's something they could exist all throughout nature, right? Okay, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so like a, on, like the on universal those grounds, uh... like it could be it could be that a machine a machine has a soul, like my keyboard could have a soul for for all I know. It probably doesn't, but it's in the realm of possibility. Well, the from my understanding of my basic understanding of physics is that a hard the harder an object is, like rock or or metal, it's the particles in that are moving so fast that you can't put your hand through it. So like the densest hardest objects have the most kinetic energy. Like the same way if like your ceiling fan is spinning fast 
enough, you can't put your hand through the ceiling fan while it's spinning. So in no, it's it's the other it's the other way around. The more solid something is, the less the less the atoms and subatomic particles are moving, and that's how we also end up with like things like absolute zero, which is the which is the point where nothing is moving at all. The fastest the fastest moving stuff are is like gases or individual particles in a vacuum. Yeah, but like, wasn't there? Uh, was every like this gets kind of into antimatter, and I'm totally talking out my ass. But like, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. So, like the I don't know, but the way it was always explained to me is is like high density objects that are solid is the particles are moving so fast that you can't. I mean, this this is woo woo. This is total. Could be total woo-woo bro science. I'll <laughs> say there's a good likelihood of that. Well, the de- the density is just how ta- is just how much the uh, the particles are packed together, right? So th- thing things are dense things are dense because they are because they're like a lot closer to each other than they otherwise would be, right? So. So if I took if I took like a a cubic foot of air, right? There's le- there's less particles in that than there would be in a cubic foot of water, which itself has less particles in it than a cubic foot of rock, right? Because there's just more of it packed together. But what tends to happen is the more you pack it and the more you pack it together and the higher the higher the pressure, right, to keep it all packed together. It actually causes it actually causes the uh, the matter strangely enough to cool down in a sense. There there is an there is a outpouring of heat uh, as you do this because because the energy that would otherwise be keeping the particles bouncing around is essentially you're squishing that out and that. That's radiating out as the heat, right? And what that does is it leaves the it leaves the matter that's there actually cooling down. At least that's my understanding. I mean, I'm I'm not a I'm not a physicist, but that's essentially that's essentially how it seems, at least to me. That should have been in your history books at school. I mean, that makes sense to me. I don't know. Um, I don't even know how we, I don't even know how I got we got off on this tangent. What were we talking about? A, telling if AI are sentient or not. Is that where we left off? Yeah, and then we ended up spinning onto spinning onto souls. Soul. Okay. Yeah. So which well, yeah, because because which my... makes it even weirder that we ended up discussing like <laughs> physics like this. <laughs> that was my bad. I don't even know what. I, yeah, I got I got side totally side tangent there. Ooh. Thank God for the Big internet. says that physics is fake and gay. It was all, all poop water. Yeah. You disrespected science. <laughs> um, oh, Bags. By the way, Bags just did some great artwork for me that I haven't had a chance to use yet, but... Dude, follow him on uh-huh. Instagram at Bags Draws. He's doing some... He's doing the Lord's work over there. I wonder if I he draws Elder Scrolls hentai. I would Scrolls that I don't use Instagram. 
I wonder if Bagstraw's... Bags, need, Bags needs to get onto, like, the, the Fediverse equivalent. Pixel Fed, I think it's called. Yeah, get on uh, get on the Mastodon there, uh, Bags. But no, uh, yeah, I, I wonder if Bags would draw some... Bags probably does draw some... Uh, some... I bet he has some really good Elder Scrolls hentai art that he's just holding out on me. Probably does, yeah. Yeah. Oh... Well, some re- some really some really filthy like Daedra on Argonian action. <laughs> uh, what are you gonna be? What what are people? What are you gonna be talking about with Fable Kirby tonight on uh, on Rare Encounter? There, Cold. Name ten topics besides anime and uh, and potatoes. What? I got some Two. food stories to bring up in in Legos. Legos, nice. Legos. You know, I yeah. uh, I just got one of my buddies from. He he was holding on to it for like ten years, and he moved to Michigan. He finally mailed, or she finally mailed it back to me. Still trying to get that one correct. <laughs> uh, she finally mailed it back to me, ten years later, and uh, it's like all the HeroScape I had. You you remember HeroScape? That's probably a little. I, you probably, I'm probably young Heroscape. enough to. HeroScape. I'm probably young, like. Uh, there's at least a ten or twenty age, ten or twenty year age gap here. So HeroScape was kind of like Dungeons and Dragons meets Settlers of Catan, kind of. If you hit, if you yeah, image... I never, I never heard about this. Two thousand four to two thousand eight from Milton Bradley, and then two thousand eight to twenty ten from by Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, this is totally new to me. Looks pretty neat. Yeah, if you do the image search, there's uh, all you like you can hero design. hero clicks with like 3D. Yeah, it looks like hero clicks with 3D uh, uh, layouts. Yeah, I mean you can build awesome terrains with this, and I got like so much, but uh, I have so many different characters now. But yeah, there's like um, there's all kinds of I mean add-ons and add-ons and add-ons that they made of all kinds of different characters. But anyway, yeah, so I just got that back, so I'm about to set up the, a big old. Um, a big old table of HeroScape and build some castles and lava terrain and set up all the set up some games in the garage there. Pretty cool, pretty pretty awesome. Yeah, that stuff. looks that looks pretty awesome. I mean, it's a shame that I didn't get into that. I got a whole bunch of old D and D miniatures game stuff though. I've got like a whole tool case filled with uh, with minis from that. I've got all these. I got all these terrain cards and maps. Nice. Yeah, I never even got into D and D. This was just like this was right around the right time where I was like, you know, twelve to sixteen, and just I just collected so much HeroScape because it was that it was big at, in that window of time. So it'd be like at every grocery store, and I'd go out and buy like a new <laughs> a new one anytime I could, like a new add on. Hey. Add-ons yeah, they, come with like the new characters in the, the regular. Yeah. They never had it in the regular department stores here in Canada, I guess. Oh yeah, I don't know. Because I mean, I'm, I'm if looking I'd at it seen now. This, and... I would have been, I would have been drooling all over it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm looking at it now, and I'm just through the image search, just image search of Heroescape, and I'm seeing characters I don't have, but I must have like, uh, three hundred figurines over in the living room right now. With and plus like a huge box of damn of stuff to of terrain to set up. So 
Yeah, I'm excited to dig back into that. Once my kid's old enough, he's gonna love this. Yeah, looking uh, at the looking at these pictures on the on the DDG image search, that is that is some impressive stuff. That yeah, there's some awesome together. awesome figurines for sure. It's like the 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 plot yeah. the idea behind it was this great battle in like Valhalla maybe or something is supposed to is going to take place and um basically these different factions have some kind of like time vortex that they use to summon from care like heroes from all different planes and dimensions so you got like big old robots and like dark lord skeleton dudes and dragons and witches and secret agents for like secret service agents from the white house just all kinds of random things all fighting each other you got the 20 side <laughs> to die and all that it's pretty cool and then they did this doom, dumb thing where they made a Marvel expansion pack, and you got like Hulk and Red Skull in there, and that's when I stopped paying attention to it. It's like, oh come on. That still, I mean, I mean, imagine, imagine Spider Man having to survive in like a fantasy environment. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what it was. That could actually be pretty cool. Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, it was, yeah, I, I'm not going to say I didn't get the Marvel set. I was just, that was about when I dropped off. <laughs> I think I got it for Christmas. <laughs> I think I got the Marvel set for Christmas now I'm thinking about it. Uh, but yeah, um, so yeah, Rare Counter tonight, we got we got uh, Legos. That's how I got off on that tangent. You got Lego news. You yeah, got I, I've, got, news. I've got a Lego topic that I'm bringing in and uh, some food history. Uh, Abel history. Kirby's Abel Kirby's got some topics he's bringing in as well. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil his uh, his fun in and bring it in, in on the show, so I'm not gonna mention his topics. All right, yeah, I'll uh, I'll be I'll be in the chat room for that. I think I'll be done. I got Vito coming up next. The uh, here in about 45 minutes, I'll have Vito on the uh, the. Man who made international news when he brought a sign that said "Dave is funny and jokes are funny" to the Dave Chappelle Netflix protest, and they broke his sign. Having that guy on, yeah, yeah. he's. Uh... Oh, speaking of speaking of Chappelle, did you hear about the uh, the school that was going to name an auditorium after him? I guess they're not doing that anymore. And there were protest there there were protests about it, and and the school essentially said screw you guys we're gonna name it after him anyways oh nice yeah well yeah a lot of these um a lot of these outrage campaigns are transitory anyways you know mm-hmm. that's, Tran uh, transitory yeah, that's uh... transitory oh <laughs> God damn it! I should have picked up on that. That that is like my my terrible tier of dad joke puns. Well, I'm a dad now, so I can make dad jokes and get away with it. Yeah, yeah. Lucky you. I'm still not a dad, but that's not going to stop me from making terrible dad jokes. <laughs> it was all all poop water. Oh well. <clears throat> I think uh, I, I, I think actually gonna... I actually I actually made a really bad one when I got my burrito last week. Oh, uh, all right, let's hear to it. To the to the girls that work at the burrito joint. 
I wish I could remember what it was, but it was oh. like such a terrible pun. You just let what? Yeah, okay, it, you can't, you got to remember what it was now. You can't just lead into that and not tell me. Dude, it's a, it's just like it's just like tribute, you know, from Tenacious D. Oh yeah. I I, the... I know I know I had it and it was the greatest, but can't remember exactly what it was anymore. Well, what the heck's going on around here? <laughs> uh, thanks, thanks for hanging cold. Let's do it again and uh, and break a leg Absolutely. tonight with the uh, with the rare encounter. It's uh, it's seven p.m. Everybody, the uh, live at rareencounter dot net and on the Noage industry. And uh, yeah, and uh, I mean, as soon as Abel Kirby gets back to his new place from work, I figure he's gonna kick off the pre-stream. So I'm not gonna bother anything on myself tonight for it nice and uh yeah I, I've, about... I've spun i've spun different songs i think one time i actually played uh the entire dark side of the moon album on on as the pre-show that's a good choice it's a damn good album it is there's um i can't pick my favorite floyd album but that's definitely top three that uh, is my favorite. Yeah. I know I still, it's kind of basic of me for it being my favorite, but fuck that. It's my favorite. I like the one with um, not a momentary lapse of reason. What's the one that has uh, metal on there? Is it called metal? Floyd. I yeah, metal. I recall. M-E-D-D-L-E. I think that might be my favorite just because of that. Uh... God, there's just. There's so many. That's the one that has echoes on it. That 25 minute song, but the first track, "One of These Days," it's like one of these days I'm going to cut you into little pieces. Dun, 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 dun. That one came out. Uh, Damn, that came out. That is metal. That came out. Uh, I think five, four or five years before Dark Side. Hmm, that's a good one. And if you want to go real weird, Pink Floyd, "Atomic Heart Mother," 1970 was just basically. I mean, that's just insanity recorded down. There's not really much music to it, more than just weird noises, but it's pretty good. But yeah, yeah uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it here because I got two more shows to do tonight. But thanks again, Cole, everybody, rareencounter.net. <laughs> thanks for having said, me. Lavish said, Dark Side of the Moon, underrated album. <laughs> 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 yeah. It's it is that great that <laughs> even with all the accolades, it is still underrated. It's top. Just, that's top how awesome two, it was. Still like the top two selling albums of all time. I think it's that and Thriller, right? Something like that. That might have been. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Mister Cold Acid, aka Bill Gates. Thank you for hanging. We'll do it again soon, and uh, I'll talk at you later. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Sir Sir Seat Seat Sitter. Woo. But we need a few good taters. Potatoes. Boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. Boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. Boil them, mash them, boil them, boil them, boil them, mash them, boil them, boil them, boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. Potatoes and potatoes. Potato, 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 pot